You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Costa Rica's healthcare system comes under renewed ransomware attack, cyber phases of the hybrid war. Charity fraud exploits sympathy for Ukraine. The U.S. FBI attributes last year's attack on Boston Children's Hospital to Iran. CISOs are surveyed on their challenges. Robert M. Lee joins us for the launch of the new Control Loop podcast. Josh Ray from Accenture looks at ransomware trends. And Razzle Khan and Dutch, a cryptocurrency love song. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. Costa Rica continues to struggle with its recovery from a ransomware attack by Conti and has now seen its healthcare system subjected to cyber attack. Reuters reports that the Costa Rican Social Security Fund, the country's public health agency, has been forced to shut down its digital record-keeping system. This has affected about 1,200 hospitals and clinics, with possible consequences for thousands of patients. At the time Reuters filed, no group had claimed responsibility for the incident, but since then, Bleeping Computer has reported that the Hive ransomware operators were behind the attack. It has generally been thought that Conti's earlier attacks against Costa Rican targets represented a kind of misdirection intended to cover the group's reorganization and rebranding and to afford it an opportunity, Krebs on Security noted, to figure out how better to evade the sanctions that were interfering with its receipts. And indeed, the gang's calls for insurrection were unusual. Conti does seem to be connected with Hive and with a range of other groups as well. In Bleeping Computer's account, while Conti is now slowly shutting down operations, it has partnered with numerous well-known ransomware operations, including Hive and Hello Kitty, Avos Locker, Black Cat, Black Bite, and others. Its members have now splintered into smaller semi-autonomous and autonomous groups that have infiltrated the other ransomware-as-a-service groups. They've also created independent groups focused on data exfiltration and not data encryption. Ukraine, not a NATO member, of course, has nonetheless joined the Atlantic Alliance's NATO Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence and is formalizing its membership to the group during meetings in Tallinn, Estonia. The Hill quotes Ukraine's National Security Agency on what Kyiv hopes to gain from the cooperation. They say, Ukraine's accession to the CCDCOE is a significant achievement for our country, 
in terms of strengthening international cooperation in the field of cybersecurity and cyber defense, as well as an important step toward Ukraine's NATO membership. U.S. Director NSA and Commander Cyber Command General Paul Nakasone was also in Tallinn this week, and while there, told Sky News that, quote, we've conducted a series of operations across the full spectrum, offensive, defensive, and information operations in support of Ukraine. He understandably declined to say what those measures were, but stressed that they were all properly authorized, legal, and conducted with appropriate civilian oversight. He said, My job is to provide a series of options to the Secretary of Defense and the President, and so that's what I do. German authorities have issued a fresh warning of the likelihood of Russian cyber attacks against infrastructure. Reuters reports that Berlin sees the financial sector as being particularly at risk. The U.S. FBI warns that scammers are trading on widespread sympathy for Ukraine as they frame their come-ons to prospective victims. The FBI says criminal actors are taking advantage of the crisis in Ukraine by posing as Ukrainian entities needing humanitarian aid or developing fundraising efforts, including monetary and cryptocurrency donations. Unfortunately, this isn't new, as the Bureau points out. They say... Scammers similarly have used past crises as opportunities to target members of the public with fraudulent donation schemes. The Bureau would like anyone who's encountered one of these scams to let them know by filing a report with the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center at ic3.gov. CNN reports that FBI Director Ray has publicly attributed a cyber attack on Boston Children's Hospital to a threat actor run by the Iranian government. It was, he said, one of the most despicable cyber attacks I've ever seen. And he used the occasion to point out that the attack, which was for the most part unsuccessful, should serve as a reminder that the Russian government isn't the only bad actor in cyberspace. Moscow, Tehran, Beijing, and Pyongyang are the familiar four regimes given to hostile action in cyberspace. That said, Director Ray emphasized that the FBI is currently most concerned about Russia. Since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the Bureau has operated at combat tempo, he said. When it comes to Russia today, we're focused on acting as early, as far left of boom, as they say, as we can. We're watching for their cyber activities to become more destructive as the war keeps going poorly for them. SecureWorks Counter Threat Unit reported today that they've found that a threat actor has replaced data in 1,200 Elasticsearch databases with a ransom note and a contact email address. 450 individual ransom requests were found by researchers, and despite the wide span of this campaign, the ransom requests have been pretty low, averaging around $620. The money is payable to one of two Bitcoin wallets, but as of the publication of the report, there are no transactions. Researchers say that while this campaign may be considered unsuccessful due to a lack of payments, this shows that the risk to companies and individuals with unsecured infrastructure is high. Aimpoint Group, CISOs Connect, and W2 Communications have released a report detailing the vulnerabilities that CISOs face. Researchers found that CISOs view today's threat landscape as worse than a year ago and report that they find third parties, such as suppliers and partners, to be their biggest security threat. The report shows that many CISOs are prioritizing both the implementation of zero-trust models within the next year 
as well as ease of use and simplicity in their security solutions. And finally, hey everybody, remember Razzlecon, the crocodile of Wall Street, and her husband Dutch? Or as they're more formerly known in court documents, Ms. Heather Morgan, age 32, and Mr. Ilya Lichtenstein, age 34. They're accused in connection with the laundering of a cool $4.5 billion cyber criminals ripped off from altcoin exchange Bitfinex back in 2016. The two were to have appeared in U.S. federal court on Friday, but prosecutors have asked that their hearing be postponed until August 2nd, so they have a chance to review the evidence the feds have assembled in their case and therefore make an informed decision about what they'll plead. There's lots of evidence. The prosecutors who worked on this over the Memorial Day weekend mentioned voluminous financial records, and Reuters says there are some 1.1 gigabytes of data to consider. Dutch is being held without bond. Razzlecon is presently under house arrest. This seems unfair, in a way. Ms. Razzlecon is also a rap artist, bringing her stylings to the New York Financial District, and the prospect of her posting more performances seems more worrisome than simply being a flight risk. Trust us, we've heard her rap. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And it is my pleasure to welcome to the show Robert M. Lee. He is the CEO at Dragos. Rob, I am excited to say that uh, we are heading off on a collaborative project here, the Control Loop Podcast, uh, sponsored by Dragos. And you all are, of course, uh, heading up large parts of this effort. Um, Let's start with some basics here. Why this? Why now? Yeah, so uh, good to collaborate with you. I feel like we've (laughs) been in orbit with each other for a while, so it's good to um, put a ring on it, as Beyonce would say. Uh, So uh, uh, when I look at why now, 
The reality is OT security has become such a main topic now. Like it is truly a global up from executives on down to practitioners discussion. It's not just this little community that we've been, you know, at one, you know, a, a decade ago we could all sit around the fire uh, literally at a conference and know everybody around us. Now it's much bigger, and which is awesome. But with that comes a lot of information overload. And there is a lot of good guidance getting out there and there's a lot of bad guidance and there's also just too much information sometimes for anybody to reasonably consume when you're busy day to day. So why now? Because there's that plethora of information we can synthesize down. Here is the things that you need to be aware of. What we're hoping to accomplish with it is exactly that. I'd like to make the podcast kind of two things, and that's what you and I have talked about for a while. The first thing is kind of the news capturing of of all the different stuff out there, of all the new papers, of all the new research, of all the new news bites. What's your 15-minute or so digest of this? And, And just make this accessible to people. I mean, again, we're all overly busy. Just to be able to have audio for a commute or even just preparing around the house for the for the morning um, to be able to synthesize all the information. That's a good service to provide to people. So that that's part of it. The second part is we are welcoming in a significant increase of percentage of professionals into the OT community versus what's there today. In other words, you onboard 500 new people into InfoSec doesn't put a dent in the size of InfoSec. You onboard 500 new people into OT security, that's a significant contribution to the percentage of the current state of the, the community. And, mm-hmm. and so we need to have a forum of source to kind of like onboard them and make sure that they are getting some basic concepts and understanding. So the second half of the Control Loop podcast, if you will, is meant to just be a very educational, hey, here's how a Control Loop works. Hey, here's what... Uh, a gas turbine is and where you might find them and what they do. Hey, here's why OT is different than IT. So just have the kind of these educational things. And I think as we've talked, the idea is to launch each episode and it's full, but to take that second half of the episode and create a library of content for people that can come back and just up-level their knowledge of, of ICS security. Who's the target audience here? I mean, obviously, we want folks within OT security to listen, but it strikes me like you know, there's a lot here for folks who are outside of that specific community as well. Yeah, I, I think the first half um, will be kind of an everybody thing. And I, and I hate to say yeah. it that way, but it really is. There, there's nobody out there that's not interested in what's happening in, in our infrastructure security and kind of being up to date with the news. And and if you're trying to keep up to date with everything, you can't. But a 15 to 30 minute digest of here's the stuff you need to know, um, I, literally you'll have not only CSOs and executives and practitioners and all that, but you're going to have bankers and financial analysts and market analysts and everybody else trying to keep up to date. So I, I, I think it's going to be a lot wider than people realize in that first part. That second part will be more practitioner focused. Um, that will be where you've got the maybe the CSO who's trying to get more familiar with what programs are about to roll out, um, but definitely IT security professionals trying to onboard into operations. Like I think that'll be the core segment, um, our core audience for that portion of the, the show. All right. Well, excited to uh, launch the new show. It's called Control Loop. Robert M. Lee from Dragos, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. 
Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Josh Ray. He is Managing Director and Global Cyber Defense Lead at Accenture Security. Uh, Josh, it is always great to welcome you back to the show. I want to touch base with you on some of the trends that you and your colleagues are tracking there at Accenture when it comes to ransomware. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me back. Um, the team has done you know, some continued research on this uh, dating back to uh, 2021 to really the beginning of 2022 yeah, and I think we've got some pretty interesting things to share with the listenership, especially things that have taken place in the in the previous months. One of the things that, you know, I think is is heightened and a trend that I want to kind of footstomp is that threat actors are are moving quickly to kind of extortion uh, and and sometimes they're just not even encrypting a lot of the data. Um we've seen, you know, even through a, a general lack of transparency from from some companies, about 48 large companies that we were able to kind of pick up in, in open source that have been affected. And these are companies, you know, roughly around the, you know, over 1 billion in value. Hmm. These companies, about 11 have reported that they've been, you know, uh, actually paid the ransom. And this notion of paying the ransoms, I think, is, is a kind of a key trend as well. Hmm. So companies are actually paying ransoms less than they have in previous years. Uh, and we think this is due in part to uh, the visibility uh, of some of these particular threats, but also that some of these security mitigations uh, that people are putting in place are uh, actually seem to be working. Hmm. Additionally, I think you know the, the threat actors are becoming much more astute with regards to the actual amount of the ransomware demanded based on the target's value uh, and the ability for them to pay. And uh, as I said before, this notion of kind of skipping the stolen data encryption step and go uh, straight to extortion seems, you know, very much like a uh, an important trend. And I think, you know, lastly, speaking more broadly, the threat is demonstrating a significant amount of business acumen by reinvesting a lot of the funds from pay- from the folks that are paying these ransoms into enhancing their own operations and capabilities. So threat actors are actively integrating new data exfiltration capabilities, uh, encryption features into their malware, uh, and creating high-end exploit development and social engineering service offerings. 
You know, we're seeing a lot of volatility in the cryptocurrency world. Is that having any effect on ransomware operators or do we expect that it could and in, you know, either way? Yeah, I, I, you know, so what we've seen is, you know, approximately, you know, one fourth to a third of victims that, that pay the ransom actually face much higher hidden costs. In some cases, that ranges from, you know, 50 to $100 million dollars. Um, and after the initial attack, they're still subject to to follow on targeting. For example, you know many victims who pay a ransom often retrieve you know corrupted data or incomplete data, and still remain vulnerable to to these attacks. And this repeat targeting is something that we're seeing typically about a couple of weeks after the initial payment. So companies pay the ransom, and then they're often extorted uh, for more money not to leak the data. So who do you see being targeted here? Are there any particular verticals that they seem to have in the crosshairs? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the top three really are, are manufacturing, uh, public sector, and um, professional services, I think, are, are probably among the hardest hit sectors. Manufacturing is high, uh, high on the list because, you know, downtime for this particular sector is just not, you know, not an option, right? They, they, they can't afford not to be in business. Mm. And there are usually some smaller companies with with small budgets for cybersecurity, and they're not necessarily as highly regulated as some of the other uh, industries like financial services. Professional services is also top target because, you know, as we spoke of before, it's the ecosystem that they serve. It enables, you know, a lot of these supply chain types of attacks on clients of the professional services company. Uh, and they, of course, have some very, you know, intimate information that can be used for Uh, follow on social engineering purposes as well. All right. Well, Josh Ray, thanks for joining us. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Rachel Gelfman, Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.